This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to TPQ20, where we go beyond the page with poets about passions, process, pitfalls, and poetry. I'm Courtney Margolin. And I'm Chris Margolin. Let's expand the conversation. Hey, Darius, how you doing? Hey, hey, I'm cool. How you living? Doing all right. We always like to start things out by saying that we know who you are, but our audience might not. Um, so if you were to kind of give your elevator pitch of who you are, uh, who are you? Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> there's other elevator pages that are stressful. <laughs> it's like a closed space. So just the idea of being in an elevator trying to pitch is stressful. Um, so my name is my name is Darius Simpson. I am a, a, a poet, writer, um, very skilled living room dancer. Um, yes. Very dope hype person for uh, all kinds of um, supportive means, whether dancing or writing or performing or cooking, um, down to hype folks up at all times. Um, the spoken word artist, educator, all those things. Yep. Very nice. Now, I I saw educator on there. What do you What do you teach? So I teach. I'm a teaching artist, which I didn't know was even a, a thing. Uh, so like Ooh. a job until I moved out to the Bay. Um, but what it means is I partner with organizations and go into classrooms for uh, like uh, semester or full-long residencies and teach poetry. And so performance, writing, all those things. That's awesome. That's a fantastic job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love it. Um, so uh, when it comes to your passions for literature and poetry, um, what are your, what are those major things that get you excited? What are you, uh, you know, what do you live for when it comes to reading uh, in poetry or just literature in general? What are those, what are those major, uh, those major items that you always go toward? For sure. So I come up through uh, spoken word. I come up through slam into poetry. And, um, and so when you said literature, I went immediately to, to the liter literature spaces that I know. I'm not, I yep. actually kind of, kind of detest reading because um, I'm an active person I like to move love it having to like sit down and read and focus because I also can't I've tried like the people say oh you just walk around the room while you read uh, but then I'm, I get more interested in the action and less interested in the reading so I, I start to sit down um, I saw reading is a discipline it's something that I I do because I'm interested because I have to because I like want to sometimes but the act of reading is not something that I derive joy from um, and so my passions in, in terms of literature are open mics, um, slams, um, off, you know, guerrilla poetry, things that are, are happening anywhere. Performances are, are where I, I live, where I derive all kinds of joy, inspiration. Even in reading poems, reading a, reading a cold line is, is wonderful, but to hear one, how the artist intends to have it um, spoken um, as well as just hearing it from that person without knowing what's coming next and being like full, you know, being in full control of that person while they're performing is is top tier to me. Not to be confused with readings. And so I love open mics and slams and spoken word spaces, particularly readings kind of suck. I'm so sorry. I, you I know, love um, that. You are, you, you know, we've done, we've done so many of these. 
you are the first person who has actually given that separation between those two. Hmm. Cause there is there's such a major difference between those. Like I, like I, the, I live in Port, uh, just outside of Portland, Oregon. And so the slam scene out here for a long time was really, really strong. Mm-hmm. And it's so different than going to a reading and readings can be amazing and beautiful. And, mm-hmm. but yeah, there is such a difference between going to a performance uh, and then going to a reading. Yeah. And it has a lot to do with, you know, institutions and white supremacy and colonialism and all of that and what, what it says oh, that yeah. thing is. And so it says that poetry is this thing. And so immediately everybody starts to move into that, um, that way of being and that way of reading and all that. And I want to, I want to name like readings in general suck, but like you said, I've been to some amazing readings. Um, I've seen some amazing uh, readers at readings that don't necessarily do open mics. And so there, there are folks that can right. read a damn good poem, but overall, Kind of sucks. I'm sorry. <laughs> the the just the the culture of, of being an audience member at readings. Um, no, it's hard. It's like uh, sitting in a symphony. It's, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, you even, yeah, I went to I, snapping through it. It's just yeah. sitting reading. Yeah, yeah. I went. I did my MFA, and uh, that when they they would have readings, so the the students in MFA would come to read their work throughout the the whole program. And it was it was just so stuffy, and there was you know there was no humanity really. It was like you know you read all your work and then you're done, and then we do the the golf clap after. It's like <laughs> yeah, this, this is not my jam. So shout out to open mics. Shout out to black you know black spoken word spaces, black open mics, black slam scenes in particular, which is how I come up through and where I derive all all kinds of joy and inspiration from. Well, then I guess in going with that, who were those poets then? Ooh. in that slam scene that really captured your attention and got you up on that stage? So I'm from Ohio. And when I was 16, I think I was 16, I was a sophomore in high school. My mom took me to my first slam. I had no idea what slam was. She was like, oh, I'm going to take you to a slam. I was like, okay. Mom said mom. I don't even think she really knew what a slam was. And she was like, oh, it's poetry. <laughs> um, and there was this group called Slam You in Cleveland. And Ciara Freeman was a part of it. Uh, what is this brother's name? Uh, or this person's name? Oh, it's gonna come back to me later. But there was a bunch of folks. There's there's one other person that's still super active on the scene. But I remember Ciara Freeman in particular because she wore a, a pink tutu on that, ah. that day. And so I, I'll never forget that. But just the poems. And I was sitting in the audience in tears, like just yeah. bawling. And I had no idea why. I was just like listening to these folks tell their stories in in this way and like i uh, i was i was shaking to my core um and i was like oh yeah this this feeling that i have right here i want to do that to people i want to have that impact on folks mm-hmm. that's how i was like i went home and like literally just started googling slam poetry at first i kept googling like slam you because i thought that's what everything was called but i realized that that was a group um or that particular uh collective so yeah and after that finding the, one of the first couple people I found was uh, B. Young, um, Joshua yep. Bennett, uh, yep. B. Young, Joshua Bennett, and Alexis Marie. And I like memorized their poems to the point I still have So you, you really came into like the early, like the Brave New Voices world of poetry. Yeah. Like those were, I mean, yeah, you're talking you know, with, with Joshua Bennett and even it's, that's a great era to like, to really, to really get to know slam poetry. That's, that's one hell of an era to come up with. Yeah, back in the day when you know folks were capturing poems on flip phones, and you might hear some of the poems, yes. you might not. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, those were like uh, 
God, that's so my my introduction. My, I've had a nerdy background. My background is in like the most like white centric 16th to 18th century British poetry because I have no idea why. Um, and I had I, I lucked into some students who one year uh, when I was teaching creative writing class were like, so um, can you prove that any of this poetry stuff is relevant uh, now? And my answer was, I don't know. Um, and I started going out to like the Portland slam scene and the very first, uh, the very, my introduction to slam poetry was Andrea Gibson. Oh, wow. Uh, standing on stage at the Portland poetry slam. And it was, uh, it was life changing. Hmm. Um, and then, yeah, it's, uh, it really opened a whole new world of like, there's a modern world of poetry, which didn't make any sense at the time to me, but holy hell, it definitely opened up a different doorway. Mm-hmm. Um, do you find that you, I guess, when did you start, did you start writing around the same time or were you already writing poetry? Let me see. I, to, to be honest, really, I didn't really start writing until after that. I had written things and I would like do little Facebook stuff, but I wasn't like trying to, to write stuff. Uh, right. You know, like write write pieces. I was just like, oh, these are my thoughts, and they, you know, they, I'm gonna think them out in poem form. Um, but yeah, I wasn't really trying to do anything with it, and it wasn't until I saw what was possible beyond what I knew um, that I started like trying to hit a, you know, some kind of note or metric or you know, just yeah. something go outside. And I think that's when I like really started trying to craft poems, you know, full pieces. So yeah, what's your what's your then what's your process going into it since you're not since you are that performance poet uh you know i assume you're not like the nine to five sit down and like you know you've got a schedule of writing or you know are there are there any like superstitions or rituals that you follow as a as a writer or is it just when when the moment hits Mm -hmm. well i don't think there's a distinction necessarily between a person who has like a craft practice and a person who can perform their ass off um i think and so, yeah, I think that there's there's a lot of folks who do have that kind of like nine to five, but also get up on that stage and do the damn thing. Um, right. So, but for me, uh, I, my, my process is project-based. Um, it's very situational. I am a person of like, I get really into something for like a month and then switch it up. And so my practices mirror that. Uh, I was writing every day. So I'm, I have a book coming out next year um october 2022 with button poetry and uh, oh nice congratulations thank you um and so like preparing that i was like writing every day for a minute for a couple of months well, okay it was loose yeah it was really every day but that was <laughs> tough, you, know? yeah, you gotta be honest with those. and so the goal is to write every day um and some sometimes sometimes the writing was mostly editing um sometimes mm-hmm. it was you know brand new pieces and so that was a practice. Uh, rituals for sitting down. I am a typer, absolutely. Um, I, I writing by hand. I don't even know what it. I, I've tried it a couple times, and it just feels so so distant from me. Like, what is, what is yeah. this what I'm trying to do here? <laughs> um, I'm also like a walk around the room type of person. Mm. Um, I've written a lot of poems on sidewalks because I yeah, it just helps the juices flow for me personally. So I, I, I use my notes app a lot. And I tend to start there first for a draft and then 
move it over once it feels like it's it's gonna be something else and some there's a lot of right. stuff that never you know moves out but it's like a, okay I'm, I'm seeing i'm seeing possibilities here and once i feel like i can make it into something i move it over into a, a google doc nice and then what's your i mean you've obviously when you're crafting a piece uh when you're crafting a piece that you know you are looking forward to performing. What is your method for like getting into, is there a character? Is there a, uh, a memorization tactic? Is there something that you do so you could more engage with your own pieces? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's an interesting question. I think the, the preparation for the piece and its performance depends on uh, the piece. So I'm like, I'm in, I'm in like a, you catch me on the end of like a, a transformation. I was in the past, I've been, like, okay, this is what this is supposed to sound like. How am I gonna make it sound like this is what it sounds like in my head? Um, but I had a class with this poet, uh, Tongo Eisen Martin, and we did a performance thing. And he's a performer that, I don't even know how to describe what he does on the stage, but almost every time it's, it sounds like a different poem. Um, mm. What he talked about was drawing on what's there already and letting the poem breathe. You know, I think in performance at Slam, especially we're taught, you know, there's very strict choreo. When you hit this part, there's a pause here because you, you got, it has to be predictable because you're trying to score. Yeah. Right? You want to know right. how, gonna, what impact it's going to have. And so that means that you have, it has to be calculated and scientific. And so, yeah, I come up through, through that and like having a choreo down, having my uh, choreographed voice, you know, tone, all of that. Um, even like intense pauses and looks at the audience, all those things oh, yeah. being worked into the piece. And it wasn't until that class that I was, he was like, yeah, no, fuck that, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Essentially what you're, oh, so I don't know if I can curse on, on the interview. Oh, well, you can, that's fine. It's all right. For sure, for sure. Uh, and it was like, essentially, yeah, but it wasn't just that. It was that, you know, what you're doing is actually kind of suffocating the poem. The poem isn't able to breathe. The poem isn't able to live and grow legs because you have decided what it's going to do. I'm like, I was like, damn. And so now I, uh, the goal is to memorize the words. The goal is to, you know, memorize this, uh, not even a rhythm, but just, you know, the, how, how do the words fall and how can I articulate them? And beyond that, trying to let the poem match whatever energy I might have in the moment, you know, and trying to ride, ride the wave and have a performance be a relationship with the poem as opposed to trying to build a relationship with the audience. And so the audience gets let in now at a performance and it's like, you know, but this, this actual process is between me and the poem and I get to figure out what that is um but in terms of memorization tactics i take things on the wall now i actually have uh two pieces taped right next to me i'm trying to memorize um what else do i do i, I record myself so that i can say it along with it um, okay. i know a piece is memorized when i can say it really fast without stumbling and so like once it's in there i'm like okay and i'll say it like <laughs> without you know <laughs> um what else do i do i used to do like funny voices and that was helpful for me in memorizing so like you know taking on a character that wasn't necessarily for the poem but it's getting right it. um but yeah very much very much like loosening the grip on having a character pre you know predetermined in a poem and i think that the the writing that also comes with, and it comes back to a craft, right? So if I'm not performing a character, that means that my writing actually has to do more of the job now too. And so I right. have to make sure that the words do every, do more of the work. And so, yeah, I've been working uh, on it with that. That's really cool. That's gotta be a mass. I mean, that's a major transformation, the major like switch in your, 
And it's like almost like code switching your own poetry world to not have to put together like a, an actual dramatic piece anymore to just be able to play off of yourself and your feelings in the crowd in the room mm-hmm. and not go in with a prescribed setting of what it's going to be like. That's, that's a really interesting way to think about that. I like that. And it's, it's, it's scary and vulnerable because that shit was, yeah. you were protected in that character. You were protected in those predictable um, delivery methods. And now it's just like, yeah, yeah there's vulnerability. That's awesome. So along your along this journey of yours, what are those uh, what are those pitfalls or obstacles that you've hit that you've had to kind of overcome or have you overcome them? Man, listen, <laughs> uh, <laughs> there was I, I think of the same thing every time. So in two thousand, I come from uh, like I said, Slam uh, Eastern Michigan University is when I like really got into some kind of scene and go into Cupsy. Um, beyond that, I hadn't been to, I didn't go to another slam, a national slam until I graduated college. And so my, my only understanding of the national scene and what it looks like other places was going to Cupsy. And so our second time there, we ended up doing really well. Um, and apparently there, you know, there was, there was some things happening uh, that I wasn't necessarily aware of or don't remember. So we came back the next year and there was uh the things came to bear and I came to a head and to, to a point where like, you know, there was a confident, not confrontation. There was like a, you know, some kind of call out situation. Right. Um, and I, I don't, I'm, I'm not uh, being vague. So as to like diminish the situation, I just don't necessarily want to get into all the specifics. No, no, that's yeah. all good. All the folks that, that listen to this, I'm like, Oh, he's trying to, br-. I'm not, I'm not really, I'm just not trying to go into all of it. Those, those who know, know, those who don't are here for the story. It's all right. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and so it was, it was a problematic poem. Um, it was problematic for a lot of reasons. And uh, I'm not making an excuse, but I, I am naming that, you know, when you come up in a, in a scene where there is no mentors, there's no one with a, a political eye on things, there's nobody to, to tell you better. We just flat out didn't know. So once folks pointed it out, however it got pointed out, I was like, oh, damn. Yeah, that's right. That was, you know, that was terribly problematic. That was harmful. Um, so I think that that was a, a major pitfall just because there were so many like I said, there was something that happened the year before and then we got to the following year and no one had really like taken the time to really chop with us about it. Right. Right? Me personally, as a team, as much as, you know, as much as there have been words around the thing and around what was happening, right. there wasn't as, as much direct, if that makes sense. So not to say no one yeah. said anything, but it's like yeah, there was a lot of talking around us and not to us. And so, yeah, I, I, I like got turned off to slam. Um, because of it, and I felt like I had failed and fucked up, and, and which in a lot of ways I did. Um, and I, when I think about pitfalls, that, that feels like the only the only real pitfall. Um, what was the major? I guess then, what was the major learning from that when you came out of that? How did you recover and find your voice back in the slam scene again? Or I guess your footing back in the slam scene again. I I, I really did it to be completely honest, and so like. I, <laughs> I've done slams and I was on a, a team out here uh, and it was, it was a conversation with this, one of the poets on the team and she kind of sat me down. I was like, yeah, so I don't know you, but here's what I know and what I've heard, you know, and like what I, what I've right. seen um, and then laid out uh, they, that poet laid out their critiques for me uh, of me and of the situation. I was like, yeah, yeah, you're right. hundred percent. And here's what I learned and all that. And that's, that's what they asked me too. They're like, so what did you take away from that? Um, 
And so <laughs> I, did, I, did, I found my footing. Like that slam was super uncomfortable. We were on a team for a National Poetry Slam in okay. 2018. And like that, that whole process, it was, a, it was with new poets who were super popular. They were, they were much more popular and much more active in the slam scene than I was. So I'm like, oh, right. all you know of me is that situation. Oh. Uh, and so like having, but what we, what happened was we had a conversation about what happened. They got to know me as a person um, and understand my perspective and, you know, uh, how I understood everything that had happened. Um, right. And yeah, that, that, that allowed me to see that, the, you know, the, the whole of the community wasn't like, fuck y'all. So it was like, that was cool. <laughs> um, and yeah, I, I, I still have a, have a lot of distance from slam um, because of that. But I think what I learned from it, it just changed my perspective on writing. I was definitely a person that was like, I write for the voiceless, you know? And that's right. terribly problematic. And first in that people are not voiceless. Um, and second, in that uh, you, you just take on a lot of shit that isn't yours to take on. Um, and that just that leads to all kinds of things. And so I learned um, a self-awareness in, in that respect and an mm. understanding of what, what stories might be mine to tell uh, or what stories aren't. And even what it looks like, even if the stories are mine, what specific context it might be appropriate or uh, harmful or, or problematic to tell even, even my own story. Um, oh, that's, that, that's and that's a tough one that's that's hard to not know when your story is an appropriate story to 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 tackle mm -hmm. i imagine that's a really tough like personal struggle to figure out what it is you're allowed to say about you yeah and i think what i'm what i'm thinking about too is like uh being being black and the the the, the a black experience what would it look like i don't know just to throw out a hypothetical if there's a right. women women's empowerment event yes i'm black or there's a black women empowerment event um, yes i'm black um and maybe i'm not the best person to be you know going on the stage talking about women's empowerment because i'm not not a black woman you know right um and so like you know is, is it is it is it for me to get up there and say those things especially when my practice in real life doesn't match that you know, and so right. like, what, what are the tangible ways that I'm actually supporting um, Black women's liberation um, and Black feminist movements? Yeah. So then I guess heading toward wrapping things up, um, what are you most excited about right now in the world of poetry? What is going on for, you know, in, in, in what you're reading and what you're finding? What do you love right now? And then what is, uh, obviously you talked about a little bit about the book that's coming out next year. Uh, what else is coming up for you? Wow. Uh, I'm also excited that the world is opening up. And so uh, open mics are, are starting up again. Um, the features, yes. people posting their features is going up again. Um, have been going to in-person things again, open mics and, and all that. So that's really exciting. Because again, there's just no other experience than, than listening to the uh, cold writing from the cold writer. Um, yeah in terms of the book. Oh, oh, so like, I'm, I'm really excited. I'm in the process right now, the stage where I sent out the first draft um, to the Ooh. editor, their first quote unquote first draft. Um, and I'm waiting, they've completed their edits, but I'm waiting to get it back or get the- Oh, that's, like, so that's an excitingly nerve wracking stage of, of waiting. Yeah, yeah. The way the I, Slam <laughs> did a number on me because I'm actually really, I, I really love the editing process because it's like, you know, that's that's home. It's like that's yeah. 
somebody saying like mm, that's not really you know that's that feels good <laughs> to me so i'm excited to see how i can make this thing stronger i'm also excited for the blurbs i had to send out like blurb requests um which is also new this is like my, I, I put out a amazon book before right first book with uh with a press so i'm like oh well, you obviously you, you locked into a good one that will obviously capitalize uh, on your performance abilities as well. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so that's I mean, it's you know, it's funny. I had a I've had a couple conversations lately about how Button is seemingly become like they've they've crept into that void that uh, Def Jam poetry kind of left, hmm. um, and they really I think over these last you know it's I think they're the only real. There've been a few, like right about now is pretty amazing. Um, but Button seems like it's it's filled that space that was needed where uh, when you can't necessarily go out to a performance, you've got hundreds of performances that you can watch. Mm -hmm. um, and they've, I think they've been really, they've been great about bringing a lot of new, you know, new poets to the forefront of poetry for sure. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, very cool. Well, thank you so much for hanging out with me on TPQ20 today. And uh, I look forward to, uh, to taking a look at your book next year and seeing what else is to come from you. No doubt. Thank you. Thank you. Talk to you later. Peace. Peace. Thank you for listening to TPQ20. Please like, review, and